we believe that food access is not only dependent upon a healthy planet, but a healthy planet can enable food access. Our food system is deeply connected to the ability of our planet to um, keep balance. Today, my guest is Julia DeSantis, a recent college grad who is head of sustainability and development coordinator for the FarmLink Project, one of the most exciting nonprofits I've come across. They are working to alleviate hunger, protect the environment, and change the future of food waste in the United States, and is nearly 100% college and high school student run. In the early months of the pandemic, when schools and businesses were closing down, two college students were sent home to finish the year remotely, and they had a big idea. Watching news reports showing tons of food being destroyed because there were not enough workers to deliver it, alongside other reports of people waiting in long food lines to receive assistance, um, they just decided to take a simple but bold move. One of them just asked, why don't we pick up the food that's getting tossed into the landfill and take it to the people who need the food? And that's what they did. Now, just three years later, that idea has grown into the FarmLink Project, a student-led organization that thus far has delivered 118 million pounds of food to food banks and kept over 173,000 tons of carbon emissions from entering the atmosphere where it would otherwise contribute to global warming. This is a deeply inspiring story that I think will touch you on so many levels. So please press that subscribe button, and if you're feeling it, leave a review. And here is my interview with Julia DeSantis. Hi, Julia DeSantis. How are you? I'm doing so well, Deborah. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm so excited. First of all, welcome to the podcast. I'm thrilled to have you on. And uh, I think there's just like so many great things that you guys are doing that I can't wait to talk about. So thanks for, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's a privilege and pleasure to be with you and, and talk a little bit about what we care about at the FarmLink Project. We definitely care about the FarmLink Project. Um, I had not heard of it actually until recently, and I suspect that many people watching, listening have not heard of it. So we're going to go and start at the very beginning and go through the whole process. Um, but just to start, you were the head of sustainability and development and, and development coordinator, right, for the FarmLink Project. Um, which, as your website says, is uh, fighting food insecurity is your mission and repurposing surplus produce is your solution. Mm -hmm. Cuts to the chase, says it all right there. I love that. Um, so, but first I want to kind of get rid of the elephant in the room, which is your last name. And I have to ask, oh, <laughs> any relation? Let's to cover the, it. Let's no. cover it. Is this your no. uncle, your father, you're running for, uh, running for the for president on the Republican <laughs> ticket? Uh, I, just when you think you're really making a name for yourself, someone. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? No, Who is it? I have no relationship to uh, Ron DeSantis, to my knowledge. There turns out to be a many DeSantis in the United States and yeah. Italy, <laughs> where my yeah. dad's side of the family is from. However, uh, no, no relation and... Um, no affiliation either. <laughs> well, I suspect you may get asked that question a few thousand times in the next couple of years. Maybe not. But anyway, we'll pass that along. Um, well, let's start by explaining what the FarmLink project is and, and what it does. And I think just to kick it off, I think you can um, we can talk about the primary issue around which it was built, which is to, um, or the issue is billions of pounds of produce are going to waste while millions of Americans are going hungry. That's the issue, right? Absolutely. So let's talk about what FarmLink does. And, and I, we'll get into the backstory in a few minutes, but why don't we just talk about what the project actually is first? How Absolutely. Yeah, so we produce, it's pretty incredible. Our world produces enough food to feed the global population nearly two times over. And that is an incredible feat that we um, celebrate. However, at the same time, 
there is raging food insecurity rampant around the world and right here in the United States uh, happening at the same time. So it's the ultimate dichotomy of uh, an abundance and scarcity model that we believe uh, can be solved by treating one with the other. Um, so we have an abundance of nutritious, fresh produce that is grown in the United States every year. Mm -hmm. And we currently waste 20 billion pounds early on in the supply chain of fresh, nutritious produce. And we have about 34 million Americans who are food insecure in the United States. And there's something called the, the hunger gap, the meal gap. And mm -hmm. it's a way to understand how many meals it would take um, to make sure everyone had access to nutritious food mm -hmm. um, year in and year out. And currently okay. in the United States, that's 6.4 billion. So it's less than 5% of what is going to waste uh, can actually feed and, you know, meet the, the meal gap. Wait, and wait, so, let, wait, let me see if I heard that right. Less than 5% yeah. of what we throw away would cover the meal gap? That's right. That's phenomenal. That's a phenomenal yeah. statistic. It's, it's absolutely exciting. It's an opportunity that FarmLink recognized uh, in the height of COVID. It was really what um, pulled the curtain on this issue that has been around for decades mm -hmm. here in the United States. Um, but really, the, the pandemic exacerbated existing shadow problems where overproduction of food is part of the food systems design here. Um, and it's mm. it's an exciting opportunity that we can now connect the surplus to food bank partners across the United States that are serving our, our neighbors um, to make sure that everyone has access to nutritious food. So, well, I love the positive way that you frame everything that rather than that being a tragedy, that's a very exciting thing because it is, because it is once you've realized and acted on that opportunity, then, it, then it becomes exciting. And I suspect that you have the, maybe a little bit, well, later we'll talk about the future and, and how you see it, this going into the future. But, um, but anyway, the positivity that right away, almost we could, we could solve this, this issue which is 5% of the waste. It's, yeah. uh, I know that during the pandemic, well, at least in the US, the statistics I saw said that, that I read said that, um, I think it's like maybe one in 10 roughly in 2021 were, were food insecure in the US. But what really threw me, and I'd heard that, but what really threw me is to see that in 2022, last summer with inflation, at least what I read, and um, this, I think it's Robert Wood uh, Foundation, last mm -hmm. word in that. Anyway, um, it was on NPR that, um, let's see, one in, it was tw that tw it had risen, it had doubled. Yes. Yeah. The hunger had doubled. Absolutely. And that's and, like, and we were coming out of the pandemic at that point, but so it's just something else came in to kind of swing it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're touching on a really important part that we recognize at the Farmland Project is that there are many factors that perpetuate this problem. And so, anything that has to do with food is going to be intersectional. And as the head of sustainability, that's really important to me. And, and mm -hmm. our philosophy and strategy is that we recognize the many different layers and um, forces that influence someone's ability to have access to food. Um, and we do our best to always look at this holistically and make sure that mm -hmm. we um, understand that this is a complex problem um, that might require a set of complex solutions, but we like to distill things into the most simple terms to really mm -hmm. understand really what are the, the biggest barriers to this access, but mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. And let me just also point out in, in, in the light of uh, intersectionality, the rates of food insecurity are also disproportionately affecting different populations. Right. So um, right on average, it's one in 10. And in the time of uh, the pandemic that heightened and as well as in the, the wakes of the pandemic, it's still mm -hmm. in high demand or food is in high demand at food banks. But um, one in three uh, Los Angeles citizens are food insecure. I went to school at the University of Southern California, and it's really was where I was most exposed to mm -hmm. the reality of food insecurity and food deserts. And it was it's very important that we also paint the picture in detail where mm -hmm. um, different populations are right. absolutely experiencing this more severely than others, um, which is also a key part of what FarmLink is 
focusing on with our mm. distri distribution strategy to make sure that we are servicing those agency partners that are in remote places that are in food deserts. That's so great. those yeah. most neglected from our charitable food system and food system at large mm -hmm. are being um, met where they are. Boy, that is fantastic. And I, I hadn't like discovered all that about your organization, but that makes me really happy because I know that like when maybe one in 20 or maybe 20, let's say one in five, I guess we should say, um, have become food insecure last summer anyway, that that was more like 30% for black and Hispanic populations average together. And, you know, I think uh, that those popular and, and I know Native American populations have also really suffered, especially during COVID. So yeah, the, the fact that you're looking at that holistically and looking at it, breaking it down by neighborhood or by, I don't know if you're breaking it down by, by race and ethnicity, but however you're doing it to look at the whole picture is so, so critical. And you're right, those food, because there are, this is the, this is kind of the case is kind of jumping off subject a little bit, but I've kind of come across this new discovery too, with like people that are, um, serving populations around the world where there's some kind of an emergency, like maybe an earthquake or, you know, whether it's war or, you know, refugee situation. And always the big organizations tend to show up in the city, the major mm -hmm. cities and say, okay, here we are, everybody come and get your help. And, and, you know, like some of them are like, wait, they're not, we're nowhere near the cities. We have no way to get there. And, and I think that's what always falls apart at the end of these, it's always that last that last mile in the chain, right? That, 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 that breaks everything. Yeah. And that's the, exactly, that's the definition of a food desert is, um, the access to fresh nutritious food or supermarkets that, um, can provide that access is, I believe, I think it's, I don't have the number, right. So I'll have to look into this, but the exact, there's a mileage threshold that considers a certain city or community oh. within a food desert. And, that's something that we recognize is part of the, the design of, mm -hmm. of uh, our cities. And we, we recognize that there are barriers as to there are reasons why um, food deserts exist in certain places over others, not just because people live remotely. Um, so there's absolutely the, the intention to uh, make sure that we can connect with those agency partners that are so immersed in those communities um, so that we can help create pathways of, of fresh food to communities where they are. Um, so that way it's not just this, um, centralized distribution. It's, it's, um, yeah. wow. it, That's... it really can tap into those, those networks. I'm just, I think this speaks to the youth of your or, or organization that you're going, you're changing the paradigm right out of the, right out of the gate. Because you're right, you could be food insecure if you can't walk or you can't get out. You're food insecure if the grocery store is two blocks from you, right? Right. Or yeah, so it the definitions we can't rely on old definitions like oh you're out in the country or whatever. You know, this is kind of the traditional ways I think that it's been looked at. Um, and, you know, and the other thing is, and I don't I know you're you're focused mostly on the United States, um, which I want to ask you about, but. Uh, worldwide, this problem is has really exacerbated in the last few years. I I heard a an interview with um, what is his name Beasley D David Beasley. He was the head of the UN World Food Program, and he mm -hmm. just stepped down, but um, he was there for six years and made a big impact. But he's saying, you know, things come along like climate shock and like uh, mm -hmm. the war in Ukraine and other local wars and. A lot of different things where, I mean, even worldwide, that number when was when he took over, I think he said six years ago, there were 80 million facing food insecurity on the planet, if you want to call it that. Um, and it's 284 or sorry, 254 million today. So it went from 80 million to 254 million. It's almost like 200 percent increase. That's with all this effort being put into it. So worldwide you see that volatility is like even greater than it is here right now. And it depends what happens in the U S but anyway, so that's just, um, is that so, so speaking to that, is that I did see somewhere that you were working in three countries besides the U S and that might've been an older report. So is that, what are those countries and are you still on, and what's that going to look like in the future? Absolutely. Um, the problem is global. And we know there is absolutely the need in every country. And we hope that FarmLink can be a model um, and really be 
a resource to other students or young change makers around the world that are recognizing these problems in their communities and their countries. We are in no way fit to make those solutions right. for local, um, for their specific food system challenges. Mm -hmm. um, but we are so excited to now be three years in to be able to share our, our teachings and takeaways and be able to hand over a set of questions that potentially they can ask when navigating uh, solving mm -hmm. that problem for their community and their culture. Um, because that's the best thing about food is that it's, it's universal, but it's deeply diverse. It's, it's so and local, culturally it's very local. Yeah, exactly. So, um, there is so much opportunity in learning from our model, but we, we know that we just have to connect with partners around the world that can service their mm -hmm. specific needs. Um, but yeah, our specific international uh, involvement so far has been in Mexico and Canada. So uh, we okay. had a situation in Mexico where we were notified of 20 million pounds of bananas that had, there was a cold 20 million. Patch. 20 million That's pounds a lot of bananas. Of bananas. <laughs> yeah. I could go on. I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, it's, trying to it's, visualize it's, that. Yeah. It's <laughs> an absurd amount of bananas. And yeah. we were called that they were rejected from um, their distributor because of a cold weather patch that twinged some brown on the peels, but they were perfectly good to eat and um, freshly, um, freshly picked. They weren't even off um, onto the trucks they're, yet. They're probably they're still, still green, right? Yeah. They were beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Um, whole bunches and we pretty much had an emergency mission where we sent 20 million bananas to distribute to with BAMEX, which is the um, Mexican food banking network. And so oh, okay. we yeah. had the opportunity to partner with them and make sure that we could help facilitate the logistics for um, that distribution to make sure that those bananas didn't go to waste. So uh, that's uh, the most recent um, in yeah. New Mexico. Yeah. Huh. And what was Canada? Was that just a, another random, like a one-off type situation? Uh, I don't know how many in terms of frequency the, thus far with Canada, but I do know that has been most recent. Um, and they're definitely within our network of agency partners as well. Mm -hmm. Well, physically, you can just drive there. So it makes a big difference. So let's just, I want to shift gears just a little bit now and talk about um the intersection. I wonder if you can explain sort of the inner, you, you keep using this word intersectionality. So can you explain the intersection of food rescue, food access and sustainability, which we'll talk maybe a little bit about what your background is, but that's definitely part of your, your uh, educational background at least. So why does it matter? What is, why does that intersectionality matter? Absolutely. Oh gosh. It's my favorite thing to talk about. The intersectionality of food access, mm -hmm. food sustainability, and uh, sustainability on the whole all wraps up into this beautiful container of this planet that we find ourselves on, mm -hmm. right? Our food system is dependent upon the health of our planet because our planet um, operates on these systems that facilitate the growth and rebirth and death cycles of mm -hmm. um, all living things. And so our food system is deeply connected to the ability of our planet to um, keep balance, to mm -hmm. facilitate those systems of uh, growth. And so no other population knows that better than our farmers, our growers, um, who really are most intimately interacting with the cycles of nature. And so at the FarmLink Project, we, of course, work so closely with our, our growers because they are not only um, harvesting, but they are responding and interacting with nature every day to mm -hmm. adjust their harvest cycles to be able to provide and feed families um, around the world. Mm -hmm. And so food access, FarmLink's ability to enable food access is directly dependent upon our planet's health. And our planet's health is currently um, not doing so well. It's it's out of balance and mm -hmm. it's due to an increase of greenhouse gases that are, uh, that's accelerating warming. And there's a whole trickle down and cascading effects because mm -hmm. of this warming that mm -hmm. directly affects um, our ability to feed people in the long term and yeah. uh, have stable living environments to uh, create, you know, meaningful, thriving lives. So we believe that food access is not only 
dependent upon a healthy planet, but a healthy planet can enable food access. Mm. So um, it's all a symbiotic relationship, which is the, the beauty of nature itself, is that it is one that uh, thrives by feeding another life form. Sure. And so we are both an advocate for access to nutritious food, but we know in order to effectively do that, we must be an advocate for a stable living planet um, to provide and, and nurture the, the food that we love and know so well. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's, that was so well, so well said. And I really appreciate that, um, giving that, that, that bigger frame around it, because we could jump um, and, and maybe will um, into the point that this food that is being thrown out every year which farmers have to throw away because they produce more food than they can ship sometimes. So there's so many situations, right, where mm -hmm. they may have produced all this food, like the case of the bananas, but it happens with onions and eggs and milk and everything. Mm -hmm. They can't afford to ship it themselves or they don't have the, they don't have the, the time or the, the chain, but, yes. or the setup, you know, they don't have the connections. That's not what they do. They're supposed to grow it. And then when they can't find a source for it, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. they throw, it's easier and cheaper to throw it away. But when they throw it away, right, it goes into the landfill Landfills. or wherever it goes. And here come the greenhouse gases. Just, it just, <laughs> I think I saw, um, that green that food that is thrown out is like the third largest emitter of greenhouse gases worldwide. That's after, right. After China and the U.S., which was such a funny way to juxtapose, juxtapose those two things, but that gives it it's like a nation of itself yeah. almost in terms of quantity just thrown out wasted food. So yes. the fact that you pull that all together I and mean, this as a sustainability uh, director uh, that has to this is your this is your thing, right? This isn't probably the main thing that you focus on, I would think. Absolutely. And and you've brought up exactly the the magnitude of this issue and, and the opportunity that FarmLink has and continues to have by um, growing and working with other farmers that are continuing to donate their abundance of food that they would otherwise have to throw out. Uh, is that if FarmLink didn't pick up and recover the 118 million pounds of food that we have to date. Mm. Over 380 million pounds of carbon equivalents of emissions would have gone to the atmosphere. And that's about 173,000 tons or so. Just looking at it earlier, it's something yeah. like, it's a daily update. I mean, and sometimes that's a hard thing for people who aren't really connected to how much that looks like. But, yeah. you know, like, I don't know how if we can put that into some kind of terms about how many airplane rides that is or how many cars on the road, but it's a lot. Do, are you, I can tell gonna, you, you I can? actually have a calculator right here. Um, because well, you can calculate that? I can't it's calculate one of, that. <laughs> well, you're, you, you bring up like exactly what I studied, which is climate communications. And it uh, was when I realized or really absorbed this, the, the weight of the research coming out of the IPCC and the, the yeah. severity of our climate crisis, mm -hmm. I recognize, you know, why does it take four years of education for me to be able to understand this, let alone communicate in simple terms? That's, we don't mm. have time like that. We don't have, we don't we have don't, time, we but don't have time. Yeah. so we, we need reality. to find ways to make this information tangible. accessible, yeah. accessible mm -hmm. and tangible and human. And that's yeah, what scientists like do that. so well. They're incredible researchers. And we, as communicators and platform builders and connectors, it is mm -hmm. our job to share the knowledge in accessible ways to inspire action. And yeah. so I love that you just brought up how can we you know, orient this statistic. And so mm -hmm. I'll just well, put it in for us. I know that I mean, scientists have been screaming for years. So um I they they have been telling us what's happening for years, but they don't speak. And that's not, again, like the farmers, it's not their job to transport things. The scientists, it's not their job to communicate things. Like they, they have done their job, right? So pass mm -hmm. it to the communicators and let communicators get the word out, which is what we're doing right now. So I, I appreciate the fact that you're, that you're here and, and, and helping do that so much. Um, Absolutely. So I just found that Oh. For eight, 118 million pounds, it's the equivalent to 
Oh, I love these. Okay. It's the equivalent to 38,217 emissions. Okay. It's equivalent to 38,000 cars worth of emissions every year. 38,000? So, yeah. 38,000 annual okay. emissions of a vehicle. Yeah. And it's also the equivalent of 210,000 acres of trees worth of emissions that they can sequester. So think of the Those are two, so, And that's equivalent to what, how much food waste you have kept from happening basically yes. since your inception. Right. And just took two. And what year did you start? So we started in 2020. So in, in three years, the work that you've done with just actually started off as just a little project and has blossomed so quickly is equivalent of 38,000 of the emissions from 38,000 vehicles or mm -hmm. the carbon sink, if you want to say, of how mm -hmm. many trees? Of, 212 acres, I think you said. 200, yeah, 210,000 yeah. acres. 210,000 acres. Yeah. So, yes, it's that's massive. And I love that. Thank you so much for, I know that was, I could, if someone told me to look something up while I was on being recorded, I'd, you know, my brain freezes. So you're very good at that. I'm always <laughs> thinking this, right? No, it's, it's so necessary. And I, it's something I, I really um, care about is, is making these metrics accessible. I think, you know, there's such a, a drive for environmental communication and um, impact reporting and mm -hmm. it's only meaningful if it matters to someone in a, yes. in a context that means something. Yeah. And so I'm right. always tinkering with ways that we can um, better communicate and localize the effect that we have and the impact that we have. Um, and specifically with food waste, I, you brought up that if food waste were a country, it would be the third largest emitter. And the reason why this is significant is because when food rots, it emits meth methane. And methane is a very, very I don't very think I knew that. Yes. Okay. Because so I want to back up and just say that again. All food, so any kind of agricultural food waste, it's the same as cow, cow so, yeah. farts, methane, <laughs> or burping, absolutely. belching is actually more the, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a so, methane okay. gas. Okay, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Organic say. waste releases mm -hmm. methane gas um, through the natural de de decomposition process. So mm -hmm. it's, of course, an organic process, but mm -hmm. when it sits in a landfill, it's not being reincorporated back into soils, right? That's the beauty mm -hmm. of composting. That's the beauty of any uh, upcycling solutions or better yet, farmlink that actually makes sure that the food doesn't ever go to waste. It's being consumed right. for human energy. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's converted before it ever gets to the methane component. So the there are many greenhouse gases that are emitted in general in the agricultural mm -hmm. system, um, but specifically with food waste, methane is the the um, greenhouse gas of focus. And it is important that we call it what it is because methane mm -hmm. has a super warming effect over a shorter period of time compared mm -hmm. to carbon dioxide. So we put things in equivalencies in emission reporting, but I really like to delineate them because methane matters now. The, the mm -hmm. recognition of methane's impact and warming impact matters now because we don't we need to understand, uh, or at least from the IPCC's latest report that came out just a little over a month ago, the AR6 report, mm. we have a narrowing window of time, a narrowing window of opportunity is how they put it, to mitigate the effects, the cascading effects of climate change. We know it's right. happening. It's going to continue right. to happen. But we have a narrowing time that we can actually soften the blow, we can build infrastructure, and we can alleviate alleviate the inflammation of this problem. And one of the fastest ways to do that is reducing food waste. So at us at, like, at Farmlink, we're like, great, let's like, let's get to it. Let's keep going. Like we, yes. we know it's there and we're seeing it. We, from dollar to pound to emissions avoided, there is a, a direct impact from when you um, prevent food from going to waste and therefore the um, negative or, or the climate um, impact that it has if it does release methane. So just for reference, methane is 81 times stronger than carbon over 20 years, uh, specifically mm -hmm. for organic waste. And so um, I like to point That's... that out just because it has such a significance 
in this window of opportunity that we have to really move the needle on our climate reality. It's a phenomenal figure, 81%. And the only reason I even know that, even though I have read and studied and listened to Paul Hawken for years and read Drawdown, which by the way, the book Drawdown is a really great way for people to, by Paul Hawkins, a great way for people to really dig into all these different uh, climate solutions. But I think food waste was right. I know it was right at the top. It was in the top five, even when they did that research a few years ago. I don't remember exact number, but it was number three. You're exactly right. It was three. Okay. So, but 81, but it wasn't presented. Well, people present that number differently when they talk about methane, but I had a guest who was an old friend a few, um, I don't know, quite a while, a few weeks ago. And he said, could you tell people that number 80% or 81%? He said 80, but it because people, it's not coming across how big and important and, and the 20-year um, marker really matters as well. Yeah, It's still hard for people to, to get this, but I think the thing that people need to get is that food waste is, it's not just the farmers, right? It's not just what their issues are with shipping their produce. It's what we, what we throw away every single day. So by just not throwing away your food, by trying to just buy what you need, eat what you've bought, whether it's your favorite thing or not, if you're concerned about your the environment at all, that is should be one of our top priorities. And everyone's focused on cars and buying electric cars, and that's it's important to focus on transportation. It's another huge one. Mm-hmm. But this is so easy and accessible, like literally today, their next meal, your next grocery trip, you can you can make a difference. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, food food waste happens all across the supply chain, up and downstream, and we yes. are firm believers in consistency. But we also recognize that so much is just built into our system. And so, um, while individual action and education is paramount, and we all should be thinking about yeah. this and can help each other um, learn more always, uh, there are major solutions that we can implement in our food system structure Mm. that can actually start to design this food loss and waste out. And so that's what farmland is trying to do. Mm. We're trying to shift the system so that way um, the burden doesn't fall on the individual at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. but it's a collective effort from, from seed to bin. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's good. No, it is systemic, but also if, if people don't understand it, you know, it affects where you shop, you know, mm-hmm. you know, who's supporting what kind of methods. So, you know, if I think we just have to, as, as much as the systemic need is going to move the needle the most, but it seems like that's made up of a lot of individual actions along the way too. So absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, and that's well, the food system. Yeah. I was just going to say the food system, the beauty of is it that there's so many players. Um, and so collaboration is at the core of any system mm. change. Yeah, collaboration is core of everything, isn't it? <laughs> when it comes down to it, we can do so little all by ourselves. But um, well, okay, I'm going to shift one, gears one more time because I really want to go back. We we've talked about uh, FarmLink, but let's kind of really start at the beginning of how this started. Um, you know, the backstory. Can you can you talk about the founders and um, and just it's just a great story. So. You can Absolutely. I love this story too. Yeah, I yeah. Too. yeah. So uh, our founders, James Knopf, Aidan Riley, uh, and Owen Dubeck, uh, were you know, all sent home from school. Um, and Because of COVID. Because of COVID. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so at the same time, um, so Aidan and James grew up together here um, in Los Angeles. And so at the same time of being sent home from school and, you know, learning about um, how to make waves in the system at school there, mm. we were all sent home and, and witnessing the um, devastating reality that there were you know, freeway passes of lines of cars of people lining up for food at their local food banks and food banks across the United States um, mm. were in the highest demand we've ever seen. And at the same time, there is, you know, reporting of coming out the, the breakdown of our food supply chain. There is gallons of milk being thrown out and mm-hmm. um, chickens being euthanized and eggs being thrown. It was just absurd. It was truly absurd to witness both happening at the same time. Yeah. And it begged the question of how is this happening at the same time? 
isn't one like exactly what the other needs um and so james and aiden and owen who is um actually our our creative director but just launched a a film about our origin story that's um releasing this yeah yeah called abundance performance story and um it's releasing this week this week yeah that's our we're, we're um talking about it publicly this week and in terms of like full access um I believe this summer is really when it's going to start to come out so um but it, it chronicles- can you say that can you say the title again yes abundance the farm link story okay and where is that available going to be available i know it's not yet um it's most likely going to be available on youtube and this summer so stay tuned with that okay. but reach out to us as well, yeah. we're, we're happy to share some um, yeah, screening links. Yeah, I'd love to links. share that. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the whole film, it chronic- it's 23 minutes and it chronicles the, the early stages of FarmLink. And it really was, um, you know, they get, like the three of them asking each other, let's do something about this. Let's just, you know, mm-hmm. we know that our, they found out that their local food bank in LA was in need of eggs. And so they're like, you know what, let's just create a spreadsheet of farmers Mm-hmm. Um, and they just, you know, had went down the list, started calling and oh, really just that's, that's how they started. Just calling farmers to say, do you have something extra? Cause they were, they had exactly. nothing to do, right. They weren't working. They weren't going to school. They were home trying to entertain themselves during. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was one of those moments. Uh, and our founder James has said this before is like, you look at each other and you say like, we're going to remember this point in history and you're going to ask like, what did I do? And, and how did we move through that, that oh. challenge um, as a collective? And how do we show up for one another when there is mm. signs of uncertainty? And um, yeah. so it really did start that way. So they there is this reporting of all the different farms that were, um, you know, being forced to, it was to throw out their, their hard oh. earned and grown, um, grown food. Mm-hmm. And so they literally, exactly as I said, down the list, calling hundreds of farmers, asking, hey, <laughs> hi, this is James Ganoff. This is Aiden Riley. Uh, do you have surplus? Any leftover food? We're trying to connect to our local food bank. Lots of lots of cold calls and lots of rejections yeah. um, until we finally got an answer. And our first um, response was a an egg farm that had um, plenty of eggs. And they said, you know, if you, if you can come get here and pick it up, they're yours. And so they decided, all right, let's rent a U-Haul and let's drive oh. up, drive up, pick up the eggs and drop it off at the local food bank. And mm. that's exactly what they did. And there's a great shot of Aiden driving the truck U-Haul on the freeway, going like 20 miles an hour, trying to just get there safely. Not break the eggs. Oh, <laughs> getting sure. there. That's getting there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, that was the beginning. It was you know, connect uh, one farm to one food bank with one U-Haul. And uh, that's really how it kicked off. And then it was a, you know, just a flywheel effect with students and friends of friends. Ben Collier, our, our CEO now, um, went to Brown with Aiden, like quickly got looped in. Uh, brothers, sisters, friends, uh, mm-hmm. neighbors just getting involved, all calling farms and just trying to build out a wow. database of contacts that FarmLink could um, be a support with, you know, no farmer wants to be throwing out their food. That is like no, such think a about, loss. Think about that. That's just, yeah. think about if you make dinner and you have to throw it out, how upsetting that is for some reason, you know, just like one little meal and just imagine throwing out tons of food. It would make you sick. Exactly. Um, and so all these people that were getting connected into this organization, they were all college students or? or yeah. Everyone, high school so everyone was like, college. oh, I, Oh my gosh. So the ages are like, what, 16 to 21 or something? Very right. low, very young. <laughs> yeah. And wow, this is such a great story. So then what, so then that just started building, I guess, over the next year or two. And so were they, what happened when, when school started again? Yeah, absolutely. That was the, the crossroads moment for our team. Um, yeah. Which was, you know, the problem is actually worsening. Um, we uncovered that there is a, you know, a deep systemic challenge here that mm-hmm. is is not just because of uh, the pandemic, but truly is something that mm-hmm. um, is going to continue when we go back to school. And so um, it was really a, a, a 
poignant inflection point for the FarmLink project team where James and a handful of other students, one by one, just dis- unenrolled in university. And Did took they? Off, yes. Took off and asked themselves the same question again. At what point, you know, well, wow. how could we walk away from this? We, we are starting to see this momentum and we see the need and there is no better time like the present to tackle this problem that we care about. So hundreds of students um, joined in in suit and all leaned into our project. It's really hard to talk about this without getting emotional. You know, I saw that they did a CNN, did a little thing on uh, CNN heroes because they've won Mm -hmm. so many awards already. Let's just, let's talk about that for a second first. They won the two of them. I don't know why just two of them won the um, Congressional Medal of Honor. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's of honor, yeah. And then also, um, I know they won another one, the Jefferson Award from the Multiplying Good Foundation, which is a very prestigious. They won uh, Forbes 30 under 30, mm-hmm. well under 30, it should say, <laughs> um, and other awards. And you've only, and they just started like, I'm sorry, you told me already, 2021 or 2020 did it start? 2020. 2020. So yeah, but that was like one and two years in, they're already winning all these awards because, because the impact has been so massive, but the CNN, so the, I just, you know, after I found right later found the CNN, uh, just doing some background research and I was watching that and I was just like, Oh, I, it's everything I could do to get through that thing without just losing it. Because I don't know, there's something so pure about it and something so we always make everything so hard in life. And it's like, why can't, why can't you just do this? (laughs) Oh, okay. Let's just do this. And then this changes the world. Mm. It's just, there's so many levels on which this is illustrative of what one person can do, what two people can do, but what a collaboration can do. And what just looking at the obvious can do. I think Mm. that to me strikes me more than anything. Obviously, we're throwing food out, like you said before. We're throwing it out, and there's people hungry. This is an obvious problem, and and why it took college students this many years. I mean, you know, not college students this many years, but why it took this many years, and it took just some kids not going to school right now to figure it out is 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 a pretty good question. You know, I think that should make us think a little bit too. Just that question should be thought about what else are we missing that's just so obvious and, and mm. such low low hanging fruit that exactly. could change that could change the world so much so many people don't think hunger is a solvable issue and we firmly mm. disagree um yeah there's plenty of food and we're trying to demonstrate that one truckload at a time you know we mm. we know it is a solvable issue and we want to see hunger end in our lifetime in the United States, at least one country at a time. And if we can empower other people around the world to think the same thing um, and Mm -hmm. to set a different standard of a quality of life, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is very simple. You start with Mm -hmm. the physiological needs, food, water, warmth, rest, that is the yep. basis of an individual's ability to move through this world and thrive and be able to Absolutely. elevate through the, the hierarchy of needs. Right. And food is uh, one of the most beautiful ways to show love. And I am a firm believer that if we can you know, address hunger, a lot of other problems are going to start to fade away or at least alleviate in a lot of ways. It exacerbates so much to not um, be fed and are mm. we're living beings. And it's a, uh, we believe in, in the right to food and the right to um, feel full and healthy. Yeah. Well, t- to say that it's not possible is just ludicrous. You know, if we can, all the things we can solve, I think we can solve this one little mismatch of, you know, it's just nothing yeah. is unsolvable. Nothing is unsolvable. And that was what's so what was so exciting about it is it's not that we don't have charitable people and we don't have the infrastructure for food distribution in the United States and we don't have enough food. We actually all those things are there. We mm-hmm. just need the logistical know-how and the connection, the link, the missing link is what was 
really the gap um, in this ability to create those those pathways of fresh food to our and you know food banking networks across the United States. So uh, really, a logistical challenge is an exciting one because that's just coordination and mm-hmm. um, understanding of of where the the points of surplus and need are. And believing it can be done. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the will yeah. to do it. <laughs> yeah, the will. The will is everything. Well, the will comes from the belief, right? So if you if you don't think it can't be done, it's hard to come up with the will. But if you mm-hmm. absolutely say, of course it can be done, then then yeah, you, you find that you find it. Um, so what does it, I don't know if you, you want to go into the details of this much, but just in general. So now we're talking not just a few guys with a pickup, you know, with a rented U-Haul or I guess it was U-Haul. Mm-hmm. What, how is this happening now that you're talking? How many, how many, I'm losing the numbers about how much food is being distributed. Is it, I, mean, I don't so want yeah, to guess, we, tell me again. To date, we are over 118 million pounds <laughs> oh, of fresh wow. food. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. So how is that getting, how is that happening now? Is it raised <laughs> at the sophistication level? We don't have to go yes. into all the details, but I'm, oh, I don't think it's these guys in a, in a rented <laughs> no. truck anymore. I definitely want all listeners rest assured there are no more students driving trucks anymore. We are, we have, you know, actually very soon uh, after we got our first exposure uh, and launched our website, we, you know, receiving donations from five to ten dollars at a time to then, mm-hmm. um, you know, corporate donations that really allowed um, FarmLink to pay local truck drivers or truck driving networks. So we work with. Um, professional drivers that, uh, you know, at the time in COVID, well, a lot of them were out of work. So it was also a really yeah. great way to um, get our, you know, our transportation community back in, back in business. And mm-hmm. so to date, we still work with um, an amazing uh, community of drivers that are truly the, our connectors and uh, they are um, incredible and are working on tight turnarounds because as you know, produce is perishable. Yeah. So yeah. we move efficiently and with uh with a strong promise of delivery so we are very grateful that we now have a, a much more sophisticated trans- transportation process oh um, yeah so and then is it done because are you in every state did i see that or, or contiguous states anyway states. 49 now okay mm-hmm. so so does everyone have their own like do you have a chapter in each kind of state or how does that work no, we is don't that, have a chapter is, in each state, but okay. we do have agency partners across the United States. So I believe we're like over 250 agency partners now. And, and my for goodness, that, those are food banking um, organizations that are then connected to their own networks of food pantries and churches okay. and mosques and schools. Right. And okay. so um, our food agency partners are our hubs, the nodes of local food distribution. And so okay. um, yeah. those service typically regionally like by state uh but some are able to independent ones are able to transfer across state lines too so are they typically are you getting produce that's within a certain area close to the food banks though like would you be taking food from wyoming and taking it down to mississippi or are you trying to put food in wyoming and keep it in wyoming for just to name yeah. the state oh i'm so glad you brought this up our priority is to make sure that we are servicing the points of need near the the points of surplus because we you know that's such a um, makes sense a catch 22 to be taking yeah. the food so far you know and i mean that is the reality is that food is grown in um you know, where food is grown there are the most food insecure are the communities right around it so mm-hmm. that is actually the the um the devastating truth of our food system as well is that you know our our farming communities are some of the most food insecure as well and so oh really definitely globally huh. um that's that is the the truth of it and so we prioritize meeting the need uh locally but we also you know there's a couple of variables to consider when finding the destination agency partner that um has the capacity to receive uh the produce that we've recovered yeah. so farmlink works in really high volumes of produce so think uh, okay. you know, anywhere from 10 to 40,000 pounds, uh, at a time. So uh, those, 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 uh, Mm. my, uh, what's it called signposts can kind of shift a little bit, but Mm -hmm. on average, it's a 
high volume of food. So we are working with um, trying to make sure that we can access those agency partners that have the capacity to receive that much. So um, it's a, it's a fine tune to agree balance, but we have an amazing team of logistics. Yeah. That are really um, attuned to striking a balance to make sure that we're servicing local and communities, but also getting it to um, those far uh, remote communities as well. So they take it and distribute it, um, the, your partners take it and distribute it to the smaller, like you said, the mosques, the churches, the schools, the, mm-hmm. I don't know, local ones. Okay. So you just, you're taking the big thing and it's trickling down just like it's designed to do. Yeah. That's very cool. That's very cool. So what do you, I know it says something on your side about, um, and, and you've alluded also to the future and to this systemic change. Is that a, is that a change from what we've been talking about? Are you thinking about? Um, bigger fish to fry, so to speak, looking so, to the future. Yeah. Looking to the future. I mean, our mission is to make the world's abundance of food accessible to everyone. And as I said before, it's, it's, what are we going to do with this abundance of food is really where, where we're thinking. And so, mm-hmm. um, our mission is of course, like by uh, my metrics, it's, we have one goal there, but systemic change yeah. we believe is is really about creating connections and collaboration across the hunger fighting landscape. And that really Mm. is our theory of change for the future. Uh, You know, our goal is to scale up to provide 101, excuse me, 1 billion pounds of fresh, nutritious food to families across North America by 2025. So that's our, our goal. But we know that reaching 1 billion is going to take um, Mm -hmm. a refined and, um, dynamic collaboration with agency partners across the U.S. and farmers that uh, we are not working with yet. So uh-huh. systemic change really means reaching a point where everybody has access to food with dignity and consistency. That's our definition of systemic That's change beautiful. is that we shift the relationship with access to free food um, so that it retains the sense of dignity that we all feel when we get to uh, go to the supermarket. And so mm. uh, consistency is also crucial, right? Is not needing to worry about where your next meal is going to come from. Yeah. And so we know that we can't reach that goal just by getting to food banks. Um, and I think mm. something I'll just share anecdotally is that up to 60% of people that are facing hunger who know where their local food pantry is will still not go. And that is something that we are really focused on, right? Is what is, what's it all for if these communities do not trust or, um, you know, access the organizations that have the fresh produce that we can distribute to. And so we're, that can't trust. Is that the, is that the issue or is it, is it pride? Is it, you talked about dignity. Is that part of it? Because why would they not trust if if someone's giving them food? Absolutely. No, it's a combination of trust and um, pride. I think shame is a better word for it, is that they're culturally, Much there better. is a sense of shame and stigma sure. that surrounds handouts. And so we believe in the full human and the right to feel dignified um, by taking care of yourself and your family. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you know, we've We've met students that, you know, one in three college students are food insecure. And really that, is, that high that number. Is, oh my goodness. So, you know, we, we talked to students one that lived in a, a, a van down the street from campus and down the street from a local food agency partner that we work with. And uh, for one reason or another, the, there's not a sense of trust with that organization. And even though mm-hmm. that we, we know them and we have worked with them, mm-hmm. um, we have a different, you know, working relationship with them sure. compared to um, the com- community member that um, is living in a different reality. So right. um, it's really important to FarmLink that we are able to really meaningful, meaningfully improve um, the last mile and the the, the experience okay. that we can, um, you know, really encourage a um, one that is connective and, and trustworthy. So it's very important to us that we 
rely on the full life cycle of the food experience where we are mm. providing the resource from the, you know, working with farmers that are donating their food. We facilitate the movement of that. It's really important to us that we also invest in those food banks and food bank partners that are servicing the individuals at the end of the day so that we can actually shift that that percentage of um, individuals facing hunger to, to seek out um, what's available and do so in a way that they feel supported and celebrated mm-hmm. um, as a, as a neighbor. That's a, that's a tall order, you know, because that, that might be the toughest nut to crack here, <laughs> you know, I, cause I can really, you're, now you're talking about social societal influences on people and those change very slowly, you mm-hmm. know, and, and like you said, if there's a certain idea um, in many, in many cultures, I think maybe in all cultures about the feeling shame about having to ask for a handout. I mean, this is a universal, this is a universal, I would also be embarrassed to go in and ask for a handout and might put it off as long as possible. So I truly, I really appreciate that that you are looking at every nuance of the, like you said, the life cycle of the, of the product and, and the produce and getting it into the hands, even if it's a societal issue that has nothing to do with food distribution. So that's sounds like a very tall order. And I, I, I love that you're doing that. I just, I'm, I'm so impressed with your organization because there's, it's just every single thing has been thought about in such a short amount of time. It's, it's a little bit mind blowing. And I, again, I think it speaks to your youth that nobody has seems to have these antiquated or not even antiquated, but just a little bit old ideas of how things work. It's like, no, let's, let's do this with a new fresh mindset. And, and the impact is just, you know, I have chills hearing you talk about it. I really do. Um, I I'm curious too, just about your, your, your specific role there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, as head of, I don't know if you call it the head of sustainability, if that's your actual title, but what is that? Like, what are the specific things that you're working on in sustainability that are important to you Uh, and to the organization, obviously? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So really exciting over the last couple of months, we have been investing a lot of time and research into uh, refining our quantification of our environmental impact. So uh, that you know, 380 million pounds that I talked about mm-hmm. getting of carbon equivalents that we've prevented. Uh, that is all Sorry, carbon what? Carbon equivalents. Oh, equivalent. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so that was all possible through research of different waste models, modeling that can, um, that pretty much outputs the methane generated from um, the amount of okay. food, the type of food and where the food is decomposing um, from okay. like a climate perspective. And so um, we've been working on that to be able to create um, a calculator for FarmLink that takes into account what, how much methane would have been produced if this food was not picked up. Mm-hmm. What is the um, you know, footprint of FarmLink's operations ourselves, right? You know, we have transportation, we must factor in um, our impact. Mm-hmm. And uh, to then output our net impact. So... Uh, we have made the executive decision to work with the IPCC's uh, waste model, which takes into account, um, it's, it's a really great tool that they have launched for, or they launched a while back for countries to be able to quantify their the food impact as well, the, the okay. amount of emissions. And mm-hmm. so we have integrated that internally for our own um, donation uh, movement so far. And... Mm. From there, we've been able to create an impact metric, um, which helps us better communicate like the dollar value um, from both a hunger fighting perspective, but also a climate benefit perspective. And that's mm-hmm. been my focus and is my focus moving forward is uh, how FarmLink can better create the connection between fighting hunger and food access, like our first question, and uh sustainability, right? They are yeah. interconnected, intertwined, Completely. Uh, synergistic mm-hmm. uh, themes and topics and realities. And so my goal is uh, to better communicate the impact that we have by every pound, um, as well as where we're going and, and what that means for the system at large and how FarmLink 
specifically orients ourselves within the international goals to reduce food waste by 50% by 2030, right? How, how can Farmland oh. um, speak to um, those goals and, and specifically and tangibly contribute to those goals um, through our operations? So that way we can you know, be allies in this, in this incredible opportunity to reduce food waste that, that we both know is um, our fastest and most like, you know, effective way mm -hmm. to draw down emissions right now. Can you uh, repeat that goal and and who set that goal? Is that a is that a so, UN or a IP? Yeah, there's there's goals all across the the world, but the drawdown has a goal. The UN, the EPA, um, all to reduce food waste by fifty percent by twenty thirty. So um, hmm. there's great calls to action that we want to, you know, align our strategies with. So that way okay. we are a part of the larger uh, movement yeah. that, that is doing that. Yeah. So you're fitting into the very the largest goals set by the, the world together and you're going all the way down to the one guy who doesn't want to go to the, you know, the, the place down the street because of a poor experience he had. I mean, that mm -hmm. is a, that is a full circle uh, operation. I have to say. Um, really, really impressive. Um, so that's, that's, I can see exactly where you're headed and I'm going to be following what your progress is on that. Cause I think that it's so, I mean, how fun is it just fun? I don't know if fun's the right word, but it is fun Still to fun. think that like what you're doing is literally changing. This is literally changing the world, but literally the impact of where we're headed as a planet you have a you have a, a significant hand in in crafting that story. It's a great fun, privilege. fun is not the right word. It's, it's a privilege. It's a, it's a great privilege. Um, and I feel very fortunate that I am in the position I am, and that I have the ability to uh, recruit students that deeply care about fighting hunger and um, really preserving this planet that sustains our lives. And so I feel very fortunate to have the resources to share with other people. Mm -hmm. That's most important to me is that um, we invite everyone and there is room for all of us. And we need all of us to really mm. um, believe that change is possible to then, you know, drive change. I think that's my, um, my goal and way to pay it forward is really I've been so lucky and, and grateful to be able to apply my passions for this every day at Farm Lincoln to be able to work with such a spirited team that believes in change. And really, we are um, excited to continue to in invest in um, people that want to see the world differently. Um, and I'm just very grateful uh, that I get to wake up and do what I do every day. Well, you're lucky and we're lucky <laughs> because to sleep better at night knowing and are you mostly students is this a mostly student because that's a piece that i'm not quite getting because you, you've heard of students i see students on your website but is it all is it all still students working there not all completely but it is the majority of students yes so people are going to school and working there at the same time mm -hmm. that's right so we have two fellowship programs that are integral to farm link today um, we have the Root Fellowship and we have the Field Fellowship. And the Root Fellowship oh. is running the operations of FarmLink. It is the original participation of FarmLink, the, the, the operational you know, force behind mm -hmm. FarmLink's ability to do what we do. So the, the farms okay. team calling farms and reaching out to growers, the sustainability team working with me to quantify our environmental impact uh, mm. and better support other movements and uh, understand our position in the, the greater ecosystem. There's the policy team, uh, operations product. So it's it's an amazing way for students in high school and college to get involved and really, um, you know, have hands-on experience with running a nonprofit that, you know, delivers millions of pounds every week. Uh, so that's one, one side of the fellowship. And then we have uh, the field fellowship, which is pretty much Teach for America, but for the food system. It's we just launched it this year and we believe, you know, you got to be on the ground to understand the problems um, in local communities to you know, generate solutions that are nuanced and near and dear to the community and working with the community members that know that have solutions themselves um, and actually just 
you know, need facilitators or connectors to resources. So our field fellows, it's currently, we have a group of nine who are all uh, positioned around the U.S. Um, addressing specific projects that they design to um, meet communities where they are for uh, food system solutions. So it's a really exciting uh, dual fellowship program that we have that really is the, the core of FarmLink because it's all, it really is about the people that come through here that move, um, that really will shift history the way that we see it um, in our food system and will go off to be leaders in their own right and, and create their own FarmLinks and, and innovations that really perpetuate this dream of ours to make the world's abundance of food accessible. Wow. Well, that's a, that's a perfect note to end on. I think Um, just so much hope and so much, I have so much respect for all of you. It's, it's really one of the best organizations I've heard anyone talk about because it's so circular. It's so holistic. It's so forward thinking, so solution oriented and so positive, you know, like every single word that you've talked, every, every single sentence that you've said, or the words that you choose, they're all positive. They're all forward thinking. They're all, um, just you, there's just a feeling that this is a happy thing, a positive thing, a, you know, a, includes everybody, fully inclusive. And so, I mean, it's kind of like if you were to sit down and figure out what everything you'd want, it kind of it kind of hits all the boxes, so checks all the boxes. So, um, thank you so much, Julia, for for sharing all this with me. I just I can't wait to share with other people. I can't wait for people to you know, get involved in whatever way they can just locally with their own food system in their, in their cities or towns. Um, and how, how can people, um, can they donate? Is there a place on your website? I'm sure there probably is for donations and I'm sure that you could use as many as possible. Absolutely. Um. (laughs) Yes. So you can find us at the farmlinkproject.org. Um, you can also find us on social media. We are active and we're tuning into where we are and, and what we do daily operations, our impact so far um, on socials, uh, FarmLink Project. And you should just know that with every dollar donated, um, we enable uh, 22 and a half pounds or 21 and a half pounds of food and 73 pounds of carbon equivalents avoided. So there is a tangible impact for every dollar donated know that you um, are making a difference in enabling meals and uh, you know positively benefiting our environment. So whether it's donations, your time, your care, your voice, um, there are many ways to support FarmLink and support the, the food system and our, our mission behind it. So uh, whatever you have to offer, we welcome you and there is a room for you in some way. So um, check out our website. There's lots of ways to get involved and honestly, call us, email us, DM us, we'll respond. And we're we're really excited to meet you all and uh, talk to you. Thank you so, so much, Julia. We'll be following you and I'll share all those links so that anybody goes to the show notes, you can get to all the social media, to your website, anything that we talked about that's relevant. Thank you so much. I wish you so much success in the future and we will follow along. Thank you, Deborah. It's great to meet you. you.